0: to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Well, hi there. Welcome back. Let's jump in. I'll tell you what, I've got a ton of education-related things, a few audio clips to play, and then just a couple of jab-related things as well. And toward the end, what I want to do is, is I want to read a template that I made regarding 5G and the jabs and what to send your county commissioners and the individuals who are in those offices to make sure that, at the very least, you have a paper trail leading directly to them so that they have evidence that the jabs are killing people, that 5G is directly associated with that, and that all of these are weapons that are being used against us. Now, I'll get into that a little bit later, but I'm not expecting any email back, frankly. And again, we're sitting at at least 24 hours since I sent this particular email out, which I'll read to you, and is available on my website also. And I'll tell you where to go to get that uh, if you're interested. And of course, there are references associated with it, and you can tailor it to anything that you want. But I'm uh, I'm not holding my breath on receiving a response from these individuals. You're talking about septuagenarians and octogenarians who have no idea what's going on if they're not jabbed, which they probably are, um, it's going to be too much for them to grasp. As, as you've heard me say on this show, and as you've, as you've probably read on my substack, I said this again at least a year, maybe two years ago, this is the perfect crime. Because ultimately, in order for these individuals to change their policy and change their course of thought, they have to look into a giant mirror and change who they are as people. And uh, that's not likely to occur, which is unfortunate, but I don't know. It'll take a giant leap of faith in order for anything to change in that regard, I think. So anyway, I'll discuss that a little bit later more in detail. Education stuff. There's a bunch. Let me get to it here. First of all, the Stanford story continues to be funny regarding the students and yelling and screaming and protesting the federal judge who showed up. Now apparently in typical fashion as the liberal snake eats its own tail, the Stanford students are protesting the dean. And they are—they themselves are now clamoring for free speech and saying, you know, free speech applies to us too, and blah, 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 and you need to listen to us, and we have rights, and all this other stuff. It's very funny. Funny how they don't understand their own hypocrisy, and they'll seem to apparently never, never catch on. It's not a free speech issue. It's an issue of civility. If an individual is giving a talk and you want to go and listen to that individual talk, then sit there quietly and listen to that person talk. If not, then don't show up. Again, it's typically always been that simple. The sad part, of course, is that it's the liberals that continue to do this, by and large. They're the ones that continue to participate in their violent acts or screaming and shouting with their stupid signs that have no messages on them that make any sense whatsoever. And this is just how they behave. This is what they do. Uh, You know, I'm not sure what else I can add to it other than people have the right to protest, of course, but beyond their right to do that, they have basically a responsibility to be civil. Because again, you're, you're more likely to be taken seriously if you're civil, but These individuals can't be taken seriously because they lack any sense of civility, and they have, of course, no idea what they're saying nor doing. Just more evidence of the cave-in, I'm afraid, although I think it's a good thing. So just wanted to follow up with that very quickly, and I'm sure that uh, that won't get any better over there. Okay, here's the next one, and I want to spend just a, a small amount of time on this. I think this is interesting, and you've heard me mention this person before. In fact, if we get in the time machine back to, I want to say, the fall of 2021, and of course you've heard me reference this particular school district before, but my niece and nephew attend a school district in the Columbus area, the Westerville City Schools, and I've played some of the audio, of course, from their board meetings, and then, of course, I've brought up some of the ridiculous behavior that occurs there and essentially how it, it, I mean, it must be a town of just brainwashed people. They must all be brainwashed because within their board meetings, and I watched the most recent one, which was just a day or so ago, uh, you know, it, it, it no one, no one comes up and speaks in, in the public comments section. Nobody. N- I mean, no one hardly ever comes up to speak and say anything to the school board members. They don't have any concerns, they don't have they don't have any grievances, nothing. And I'll tell you something, a lot of people would misinterpret that and say, "Well, that's because our school district's the best." The reason no parents are complaining is because we do everything right. No. No. It's actually quite the opposite. They're doing endless things wrong. The problem is is again Everybody's brainwashed there. Now again, this was the school. Again, we're jumping in the time machine here and going back because I have to refresh everybody's memory on this before I bring up this new revelation here. This was a school district where I emailed them in. Well, actually, I did this first in the fall of 2021. I sent a formal. I filled out a formal complaint against the superintendent for all of the things that every superintendent has been doing and was doing during 2020, 2021, and well into 2022, with all the mask wearing and, uh, you know, the, the the social distancing nonsense and the scare tactics and the coercion and the threatening students if they don't do this and if they don't gag themselves, along with different laws, which of course included endangering children by depriving them of oxygen, so on and so forth. So. I don't think that anything came from that particular investigation. I mean, the Ohio Department of Education, along with endless departments of education at the state level, were receiving copious amounts of complaints from countless people. Some of them, I'm sure, were better written than others. But I'm sure that given the pandemic, quote unquote, and the times of COVID, that they just took those complaints. They put them in their own separate box or their own separate category, and they said, look, we can't handle any of this. We need to focus on some of the other things and some of the other investigations, but we're not going to handle this. As I even said in my own complaint, and you've heard me say here, if these individuals had done this in 2019, 2018, 2017, 2016, or any year before that, they would have lost their jobs. They would have lost their administrative and teacher certifications at the state level. They would have been fired, and they would never be in the business ever again. If they had ever masked children, isolated them, thrown them in an isolation room because they happened to cough or sneeze on someone, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. these people would be out of the business permanently. If not, uh, you know, be subject to psychological evaluation and then arrested for doing this to children. I, of course, filled out a complaint, sent it in, and when you do that, you, of course, aren't going to receive any response back. There's not going to be a, oh, thank you very much, we appreciate it. I mean, you'll you'll get an initial email back that says, we are in receipt of your investigation, or your uh, your formal complaint, rather, based on Ohio law. We will investigate this, this is the way it's going to be. So that was back in the fall of 2021 when i did that and he wasn't the only superintendent that i that i did that with i did it with at least one other one a local a local idiot um other than that 2022 rolled around and this was where i started to send the entire school board including the superintendent and the treasurer of the westerville city school district all of the laws that they had broken again Specifically regarding the mask wearing, the legal definition of the word mandate, which of course does not mean mandatory, it means voluntary participation. As you've heard me say in previous episodes, certainly recently even, that they were, a, when they were putting forth a mandate, they were giving the right for anybody to wear a mask if they wanted to. That's all they were doing. Unfortunately, The lawyers who work for school districts are typically idiots, and even they purposefully misinterpret the law or they don't know what they're doing either. And the entire time, of course, it meant voluntary participation, but everybody misinterpreted it to mean mandatory. So I included that in this email that I sent them, I want to say back in February of 2022. And then I reminded them that uh, I was planning on going after them regarding their insurance bonds and that they needed to remove the masks from anybody who was riding a school bus. Now, my niece and nephew don't ride a school bus, but I don't care about that. There are countless students who do, and countless students, of course, who are being gagged and abused and lied to. As a result of not just the mask wearing itself, but of course forcing it on school buses. So I sent this email, and two days later, 48 hours later, they lifted their mask man- All of this happened in, a, in less than a week, toward the end of the week. Less than 48 hours later, they lifted all of their mask mandates, quote unquote, throughout their entire district, except they kept the masks in place on the school buses. Now, public school buses are not deemed public transportation, which means they can't force they can't force the masks on anybody who rides on school buses. Or some, or I might have that backwards. The point is is that it is federal law. They were breaking federal and state law. You cannot gag children on a school bus under any circumstance whatsoever, which means from the moment they implemented mask wearing on school buses, they were breaking the law very second they did it so how long were they breaking the law they were breaking the law from approximately the calendar the entire calendar year of 2021 and and the first couple of months into 2022 you're talking about 365 days or at the very least 180 plus days of them breaking the law that's a lot of law breaking again federal and state you can't do it on school buses so They lifted the mask mandates two days, 48 hours after I sent that initial email to every board member, the treasurer, the superintendent. Once that was lifted, they sent out an email immediately to everybody, all the parents and everybody else, and it was all over their website, and I read from it right here on the show, that said that they were lifting all of the mask mandates except for the school bus that if they still rode the, if students still rode the school bus they would still have to wear masks as soon as i read that i emailed them again and i said you didn't hear what i said and you didn't read the email very well congratulations on lifting your ridiculous mandate for everybody attending your schools but you're still breaking federal law and if you fail to remove the mask wearing on school buses you will be sued As soon as I sent that email, less than 24 hours later, they lifted it, they lifted the mask mandate on school buses. Now, I'm not saying that my emails had anything to do with them lifting the mask mandates. Again, whether it be throughout the school district or uh, on the school buses. What I found very disappointing throughout that entire time, along with endless other school districts, of course, is that... The parent complaints and, and the and the public comment section of their board meetings were were practically empty. I, I remember playing one parent who was a nurse who showed up and, and was remarkably upset because her son had been isolated in the school and suspended without the parent's knowledge. Uh, And that the principal of the building in this elementary school had told the kid that he was going to be expelled to his face, but yet they never contacted the parent to tell them any of this. And it was because he wasn't wearing his mask appropriately on his face, quote unquote. That was a heartbreaking piece of audio that I played on this show a long time ago. Other than that, there really haven't been any parent complaints of any of any kind whatsoever certainly no one showing up and saying what you've heard me claim I would say if I was to ever do it again which is you owe us all an apology because all you did was believe lies this entire time you made all of us watch these lies and you subjected endless students to psychological damage that you were the cause of along with again copious amounts of other people so, fortunately, again, they lifted all their mandates, and and I don't know if my emails had a direct impact on that or not. Um, either way, I watched this last board meeting. It was rather uneventful, as as in typical fashion. However, they had a, a quick presentation at the beginning of a guy who sounded a, a tad flamboyant, but he works for the district, and he was going through. The graduation requirements, basically, graduating from elementary school to middle school to high school, and then you know what the graduation requirements are for for leaving high school. there was a lot of social emotional learning lingo wrapped into all of it, not surprising, but observationally, there were a couple of things that were interesting, and uh, one of them included the resignation of the superintendent. So in this rather short and uneventful board meeting, again, no public comments, nobody signed up to speak or or say anything. But the woman who you've heard me reference on a consistent basis, who is clearly jabbed, very sick, and coughs all of the time. And I mean all of the time. In these meetings, she's hacking up a lung. She is first in my deadpool when it comes to this particular school board, as to who's going to buy it first. I mean, they all sort of look sick at varying levels, but this one takes the taco. She wasn't there this time, which I find interesting. A little too sick to show up, maybe. Um, So she has AIDS. But then, and I should say practically out of nowhere, the superintendent holds up a piece of paper and he starts to read his his resignation and he says he's resigning he he's been there for 10 years he's taking a position at columbus state university in their human services department or something like that and uh and that's about it there were i would say well i would put it this way there was one individual who is a black man. He's a a pastor, I believe, or claims to be. He sits on the board, and he was really the only one to shoot a compliment toward the superintendent. Everybody else pretty much kept their mouths closed. They didn't really say anything. They didn't say, thank you for your service. I mean, one other person did, but then that person was immediately on to other issues. So, I find this to be rather interesting, because normally, If a superintendent is resigning, it's because the board decides that they want them gone, or it's because the superintendent is tired of it and and wants to leave. Now, full disclosure here, and I mean this as honestly as I can put it, I don't think this superintendent, okay, is an evil man. I don't think that he was a bad guy, so to speak. He was stupid. He, he followed along as a typical administrator would do. They just follow orders and just do what they're told and they you know they're not thinking people, they're just order followers by and large. That's what this guy did, and that's what this guy was doing. I'm certain he was being bombarded with emails regarding a variety of different issues, and uh you know the, I, I've played again audio. From you know the the Tranny who showed up who was a woman dressing like a man and trying to impose the lgbt alphabet soup garbage within their school district and so on and so forth, and the look on his face was priceless i mean he he was he was sweating bullets this guy he was just thinking to himself, "Good God, the emails I'm going to get from parents. this is a nightmare I got to get out of here." I mean, I fully understand it. it also could be that he's running for the hills because he knows that Uh, there's a lot of bad stuff coming out regarding these jabs. And it's becoming more and more unavoidable. I mean, the chronic illness among people is rampant. They're struggling for substitutes. They're struggling for bus drivers. They have people retiring throughout the entire district. They have people quitting. It's not uncommon from any school district, uh, really. I mean, it's it's a large school district. It's one of the largest in the state, but that doesn't make them competent people. Size has nothing to do with that. I just thought that the that the absence of comments regarding his resignation were were odd. Again, normally after something like that, they would even give the superintendent like a plaque or a, you know, a medal or congratulations on 10 years of serving our community and blah blah blah. And they didn't even do that. It was very nonchalant, just kind of like, okay, on to on to the next piece of news, or the next issue we have to discuss, and that was it. They blew right through it. Now, they might acknowledge him down the line uh, in the future, you know, the last board meeting of the school year while students are still in session kind of thing, but I don't know, because I'll keep watching these meetings because I find them fascinating. Um. But at the same time, it's it's borderline depressing because you're just watching these jabbed goons who are completely brainwashed, not know what they're doing. So I wanted to bring that update. Again, it's you know, it's a personal thing with me, but uh, yeah, th- the guy's gone, and the super sick, at least triple jabbed board member on that school board was absent. No, I don't think that she was gone because she doesn't like him, or that she was gone because, you know, she knew that he was going to resign and was just trying to stick it to him in some way. I, I don't think that that's the case. I think she's very ill. And again, she's number one in my Deadpool for that school board, so, yeah, we'll see if that pays out. I know that's tasteless, but, you know, these people are crazy, so if I can profit from their craziness, so be it. Okay. So there was his resignation. A Dr. David Kellogg is his name, if you were curious. Either way, let me mention this too, because this is huge news, and I want to spend a little time on this. This is from the Associated Press titled, Texas announces takeover of Houston schools stirring anger. And it's happening, ladies and gentlemen, it's happening. It says the following, Texas officials on Wednesday announced a state takeover of Houston's nearly 200,000 student public school district, the eighth largest in the country, acting on years of threats and angering Democrats who assailed the move as political, quote unquote. The announcement made by Republican Governor Greg Abbott's Education Commissioner, Mike Morath amounts to one of the largest school takeovers ever in the United States. It also deepens a high-stakes rift between Texas's largest city, where Democrats wield control, and state Republican leaders who have sought increased authority following election fumbles and COVID-19 restrictions. The takeover is the largest example of Republican and predominantly white State officials pushing a control of action in heavily monitored and Democrat-led cities. There you go. Leave it to the Associated Press, ladies and gentlemen, to uh, play the race card. Always playing the race card. It's because they're white at the state level and everybody at the local level in Houston is black. Honest to God. Maybe it's just because you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> Maybe it's because you're not teaching them. Maybe it's because you're not teaching them civility. You're not teaching, oh, I don't know, anything, basically. And then, of course, you're ushering in the gay agenda, and you're wondering why everybody's failing. It then continues, and it says, in a letter to the Houston Independent School District, Marath said that the Texas Education Agency will replace Superintendent Millard House II and the district's elected board of trustees with a new superintendent and an appointed board of managers made of residents from within the district's boundaries. That's it. That's how it works, ladies and gentlemen. If you were unaware, As I've brought up on this show, though, that's exactly what happens, and if it can happen to a school district in Houston, the Houston Independent School District, with 200,000 students, you'd bet your ass it can happen in a small school district that has no idea what they're doing. It continues here and it says, Marath said that the board has failed to improve student outcomes while conducting, quote, chaotic board meetings marred by infighting, unquote, and violating Open Meetings Act and procurement laws. He accused the district of failing to provide proper special education services and of violating state and federal laws with its approach to supporting students with disabilities. Oh my God. They're just abusing everybody. (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's an institution of abuse. He said he cited uh, the seven-year record of poor academic performance at one of the district's roughly 50 high schools, Wheatley High, as well as the poor performance of several other campuses. Quote, the governing body of a school system bears ultimate responsibility for the outcomes of all students. While the current board of trustees has made progress, systemic pro- Problems in Houston ISD continue to impact district students, Marath wrote in his six-page letter. Most of Houston's school board members have been replaced since the state began making moves toward a takeover in 2019. House became superintendent in 2021. He and the current school board will remain until the new board of managers is chosen sometime after June 1st the new board of managers will be appointed for at least two years. I love it. I love it. Because then they're going to start going through every single building. They're going to start questioning every single administrator. I mean, they pull these people out of these buildings, and then they sit them in a room, an interrogation room. Uh, and then they start asking them what they're doing. And I, I, I'll i tell you what, I would, <laughs> I would pay. I would pay. To be in one of those rooms, I just I would pay. I wouldn't say anything, wouldn't have to. I'd say, "Excuse me, I, I would be willing to pay you. If I can just sit in the corner, mind my own business, it'd be so hard to not laugh or make any comment, but just to sit in those rooms with state officials questioning even individual building administrators on what they're doing and not doing within the building is is absolutely, uh, it, that would be a dream, an absolute dream. Uh, continued here, it says, House, in a statement, pointed to strides made across the district, saying the announcement does not discount the gains we have made. Stop it. Now he's just trying to be polite. He said his focus now will be on ensuring a smooth transition without disruption to our core mission of providing an exceptional educational experience for all students. Well, clearly, they haven't been doing that. So, back to the drawing board. It says the Texas State Teachers Association and the American Civil Liberties Union of Texas condemned the takeover. Of course, because it's racist. At a news conference in Austin, state Democrat leaders called for the legislature to increase funding for education and raise teacher pay. See? It's all about money. More money will fix the problem, we'll pay them more. The reason they don't do a good job is because they aren't getting enough uh, enough money. No, that's never the case. The reason they don't do a good job is because they don't know what they're doing. They're not that bright. That's all. They're just not that bright. It says, quote, we acknowledge that there's been underperformance in the past, mainly due to that severe underfunding in our public schools. State Representative Armando Wally who represents parts of North Houston said, an annual Census Bureau survey of public school funding showed Texas spent ten thousand three hundred and forty-two dollars per pupil in the twenty twenty fiscal year, more than three thousand dollars less than the national average, according to the Kinder Institute for Urban Research at Rice University in Houston. It says the state was able to take over the district under a charge, or change rather, in state law. That Houston Democrat State Representative Harold Dutton Jr. proposed in 2015. In an op ed piece in the Houston Chronicle on Monday, Dutton said he has no regrets about what he did. Quote We're hearing voices of opposition, people who say that HISD shouldn't have to face consequences for allowing a campus to fail for more than five consecutive years. Those critics' concerns is misplaced, Dutton wrote. Good for him. Good. It says schools in other big cities, including Philadelphia, New Orleans, and Detroit in recent decades have gone through state takeovers, which are generally viewed as last resorts for underperforming schools and are often met with community backlash. Hard fact here, ladies and gentlemen, the majority of these schools are black. The majority of these schools have black students, black teachers, uh, lots of crime, poverty. I mean, you name it. You know, that that is a that is a fact. I'm not saying white students don't show up or white teachers don't work there, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It's it's an ideological thing to say the least, also. I mean, these people are more what do you mean these people, Sean? I mean anybody on the left, the proverbial left, and even those on the right who don't know what the hell they're doing, they're more likely to adopt Any quote unquote new thing that shows up in education and it never works when it's implemented, if it's even implemented. All it does is anger everybody in the building. It angers the teachers, it angers the administrators, but the administrators get paid more than the teachers, so they're just going along to get along, basically. Do what I ask, you know, because this is coming from the district office, it's not my fault. And then it falls in the lap of a school teacher and a school teacher if they don't do it, a particular gimmick or a game or or some stupid book that they have to read that has nothing to do with the curriculum for which they're responsible for teaching all of that ultimately then backs up on the student, and the student is saying, "Why are we doing this? We didn't do this last year. Why are we all of a sudden doing it now?" Again, we've all seen the meme of the n p c the you know the gray n p c that says I'm here to do the latest new thing or something to that effect. That, that really is the vast majority of K-12 administrators in a nutshell. They will just do the latest new thing because they think that if they're doing the latest new thing, regardless of its validity, um, that, they're, that they're making some, I don't know, positive difference or something. Again, one-room schoolhouse teachers never did any of this crap, and they were arguably the most successful. I've said it before, if we were to go back in time and take a very old test from even the mid-20th century or early 20th century, and you were to give that test to any superintendent, board member, school teachers, building administrators, or students themselves, they would not pass. They wouldn't pass those tests some of those tests are very difficult by today's standards because of the dumbing down of society. The article continues and it says critics argue that state interventions generally have not led to big improvements. Well, they're not firing enough people then. But again as I said in the last episode regarding an acquaintance of Sicily's who works in the school district in New Mexico, they can't afford to fire teachers anymore. They just can't afford to do it because where are they going to get them from? Again, this is a dying profession. It's not a bad thing. Because again, if teacher education departments at the university level don't improve and and do a complete house cleaning, ladies and gentlemen, nothing's going to improve. That's really the the larger issue. Yes, it's a problem at the K-12 level, that goes without saying, but what goes on at teacher education departments is an abomination. uh, Let's see. It says the following. It says, Texas started moving toward a takeover of the district following allegations of misconduct by school trustees, including inappropriate influencing of vendor contracts and chronically low academic scores at Wheatley High. The district sued to block a takeover, but new education laws subsequently passed by the GOP-controlled state legislature, and a January ruling from the Texas Supreme Court cleared the way for the state to seize control. Quote, all of us Texans have an obligation and should come together to reinvent HISD in a way that will ensure that we're going to be providing the best quality education for those kids, Abbott said Wednesday. Well, they're students, they're not your kids, Abbott. And again, I'm not a fan of Abbott for a variety of reasons, but yeah. It says, schools in Houston are not under mayoral control, unlike New York and Chicago, but as expectations of a takeover mounted, the city's Democrat leaders unified in opposition. Race is also an issue, it says, because of the overwhelming majority of students in Houston schools are Hispanic or black. Yes this is true, as I said earlier, but it's not because they're picking on them. They're not going, well, you're black and Hispanic, so, you know, we need to come in and take over. That's not it. They're not learning because they're not being taught. That's all. They're not learning because they're not being taught. Uh, Let's see. It says Domingo Morell, a professor of political science and public services at New York University, said the political and racial dynamics in the Houston case are similar to instances where states have intervened elsewhere. Quote, and then it wraps up. He says this, quote, if we just focus on taking over school districts because they underperform, we would have a lot more takeovers. Unquote, Morell said, but that's not what happens. Unquote. Well, I think he's going to be surprised. I think he's going to be surprised. He, of course, is insulated in the university, the left-wing university where he teaches, and he has no idea that the entire business is collapsing. The takeovers are going to become more abundant. More abundant. And again, yes, academic performance is going to play a role in those takeovers. However, the reasons for the takeovers are mounting. And as we know, everyone is blaming the quote-unquote pandemic as being the reason, when of course that's not the reason. All the last three years did was highlight the stupidity that was right under the surface of all of these school districts and these state departments of education and what they were doing. Remember, again just kind of briefly and in summary there was a scheme in place by the left and the marxists to use the last 2 plus years to implement all of their degeneracy fifth gear pedal to the floor it was on purpose this was a scheme this was a plan this is this was it this was a global ideological global government state push and it's failed, because look what it's leading to. Massive school districts, small school districts being taken over by the state, and, as you've heard me bring up here, even small school districts like the one where, the one that's very close to me, even this one, in the town where I live, they're openly talking about not wanting to have the state come in. Because if the state comes in, they're all finished. And they're all going to be removed. Again, normally, that would be something that you would keep under the vest. You wouldn't even tell the public about that. You wouldn't even tell the public that that's an option. You would keep your mouth shut about that. But these people are so reckless and so dumb that they're actually telling the public what is likely to occur. And as I said earlier, if it can happen in Houston, Texas, ladies and gentlemen, it can happen anywhere. Anywhere. And, I might add, it can happen anywhere regardless of race. Regardless of race. The state is five seconds away from coming in and taking over the school board and the school district in the town where I live. And it's practically 90% to 100% white. It has to do with (laughs) a lack of morals. It has to do with a lack of ethics. It has to do with their degeneracy. Go woke, go broke. Look what's happening with with the banking system for Christ's sake. These banks are shutting down because of their woke agenda, too. There are no bankers who actually work in these banks. Most of them are just uh I, I saw a story just the other day. That most of them are just donors. They're just hard left-wing, radical tranny, uh, you know, LGBT alphabet soup donors. These aren't people that have any banking skills, just like school board members. Same thing. Well, I used to be a school teacher, now I'm a school board member, and that qualifies me. No, it doesn't. If you're an idiot in one avenue of the education business, you're going to be an idiot in the other. It doesn't matter if titles change, it doesn't matter if responsibilities or roles change, none of that matters. Poor decision making is poor decision making any way you slice it. Speaking of poor decision making, let me move on to the next story. This one. Again, this is an odd one. This one, at face value, people would say to themselves, "You know what? This is great. What a great idea this is, ladies and gentlemen." This is the illusion of doing the right thing. This is exactly what encompasses and defines the entire education business nationwide, if not around the world. This is from uh, this is from Arizona, and what their state has apparently done. Is they've started a new hotline that gives parents the ability to report teachers and administrators, I would assume, who engage in inappropriate lessons within the classroom or within the school. I'm going to play the audio from this local news outlet, uh, Arizona's channel Five CBS. It really is it really is incredible again. At face value, it would seem like this is a good thing. It's giving parents more oversight. You know, this is, this is going to be excellent. Ladies and gentlemen, they've created a system that's going to be flooded with complaints. There's no way that all of these complaints that are going to be made, number one, I should say this in full uh, objectivity, there's no way that all of the complaints are going to be valid. That's number one. I mean, somebody's going to get on there and, and make, make something up. However, things are so degenerate in the education business, they wouldn't have to make it up. In either case, they're going to be flooded with complaints, and there's no way they're going to get to all of them, nor are they going to enforce all of them, because essentially what this does is is it bypasses an investigative body at the state level and allows another group, you would assume, again, more government, to investigate said complaints. This right here, again, defines a failing business. They're trying to spin more plates under the guise of, again, trying to solve the what is clearly the most obvious problem that exists in American K-12 schools, but it isn't really going to solve the problem. It's just more government. It's more bureaucrats trying to make decisions about things, and they're going to find, I think, that this entire idea is going to be overwhelming. Now you're going to hear the uh, supporter of this, who is the state superintendent, Tom Horn. You're going to hear his voice, and then you're going to hear a female whack job voice, and when you hear her talk and immediately deny that that such. Critical race theory lessons or whatever are taking place in in Arizona schools, which is what she says. She goes, "That's just not happening. I, I don't even know why we're creating this. Well, we aren't teaching critical race theory." She's lying through her teeth. She's lying because she's a hard left wing nut job. She looks like a hard left wing nut job. Again, these people you can look at their faces and you can know exactly what they think. Um. Yeah. So I'm going (laughs) to, let me, let me at least play this audio so you can get a taste of how these people sound and again, what they say. But again, at face value, a person would say, well, this is a great idea. I'm telling you, it's going to cave in. The complaints will be too vast, too much. And it's just emblematic of a failing system that you have got to run away from. You have to run away from it. And again, very early, I'll play. I'll play the audio. I promise. But very early on, this in the inception of this show, I'll never forget it because they were the first guest I ever had on the show. They they were a furloughed female nurse, a mother of an elementary school child. I hope they still listen to the show. By the way, hi, if you're still listening, I'll never forget you. You're you're absolutely amazing. Uh, they got a hold of me. And they said that they were homeschooling their child and they live in Arizona. It's a story like this that just has to put a smile on their face as to why they homeschool their child this is This is perfect. This is exactly the reason why you should homeschool. So give this local news affiliate audio a listen in three, two, one. If
1: they're using their position to push their personal ideology on a captive audience of kids. That's wrong and they need to stop. Superintendent Tom Horn rolling out the empowerment hotline, a number for parents to turn in teachers for leading inappropriate lessons in the classroom. Horn following through on an election promise to remove critical race theory from Arizona schools. I have a list of 250 Arizona teachers uh, that signed a statement, a public statement, so I can furnish the list anybody wants it. Put out by the National Teachers Union that said if a state restricts the teaching of critical race theory, they will defy the law. Horn, providing Arizona's family with that list, it's linked to the Zen Education Project, an organization that says they are committed to teaching the truth about American history. They would not assign that statement unless they were already teaching critical race theory. It's
2: teachers who's like, I'm committed to teaching accurate history, (laughs) Um, which which is not what he's talking about.
1: Mary Soul Garcia is president of the Arizona Education Association. She says she believes there is no evidence that CRT is being taught in schools. It's just not happening. She says what Arizona is suffering from is a teacher shortage reaching crisis levels. This is a disaster. This is not conducive to helping folks stay in schools. Garcia is saying teachers are already struggling with overfull classrooms. Now there's a new fear of being reported. When I got into work this morning, my email was full.
2: Well, I think what it does is it signals that we don't trust educators. We don't trust school boards. We don't trust principals.
1: The hotline launches tonight. It's managed by the Department of Education. Horn telling me he knows things could get exaggerated. He says, if a tip can be verified, only then will officials from the Department of Education investigate. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, can't get a, I can't get enough of this. I can't get enough. I can't. I I just can't. It's too good. This stuff is too rich. If your school district or your state has to create a 911 hotline for critical theory being taught in schools, you have a problem. (laughs) You You have a serious problem. Ladies and gentlemen, Mrs. Marisol Garcia of the Arizona Teachers Association. Ah, uh, the president. Oh, my email's full with complaints and people are yelling and I just, I, I just don't know what to do. I came into work and that was, that's what I have to deal with. Yes, because you're a liar. It's because you're a liar. If a Teachers Association president says anything, they're lying. If they say it's raining outside, stick your head outside and look around. Don't believe them. Don't take them at their word, because they're probably lying. She says critical race theory doesn't exist there. The critical theories don't exist there. Nonsense. Nonsense. It's mathematically impossible that that's the case. And then, yes, I agree with her when she says, well, this is sending a message that People don't trust teachers and administrators and school board members and superintendents. Yes. (laughs) Yes, that's exactly what it means. And we don't trust you either, because you're the head of the Arizona Teachers Association and you don't think critical theories are even existing within any classroom or school whatsoever. You've lost your mind. Again, you know, you hold a shell up to your ear, you can hear a homeschooling family laugh. It's astounding. Absolutely astounding. I even put this video on my gab. Somebody made it, of course, on TikTok or whatever. But uh, it's a kid skiing. And it just says he's homeschooled. And there he is skiing down a slope with the sun in his face, beautiful scenery. The kid's homeschooled. He's not waking up at six in the morning, washing himself, throwing on clothes for fear of you know getting made fun of if he wears a particular T-shirt or not, going into school, the threat of getting beaten to death, not learning anything, being propagandized, so on and so forth, only to get on a bus and then go home and then rinse and repeat day after day after day. That's not learning. that's torture. It's torture. People have no idea the freedom that they could engage in and and the freedom that God gave us when He gave us the innate ability to read and write. Our brains are meant to read and write in our own native tongue. When we can do that, sky is the limit. But these people, again, my God, what a waste of time! (laughs) What a colossal waste of time! That leads me to this, which, again, is a good thing. Uh, Governor Sanders, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, has signed into law Arkansas Learns in the state of Arkansas. I want to read through this flyer because it has all the bullet points, I think, that are included in the bill that she has signed into law. And uh, my question, of course, has to do with homeschooling. Again, you're going to hear a lot of money numbers and a lot of numbers here, but my question specifically lies with whether or not parents can pull money from these school districts and these vouchers now to actually homeschool their child. And of course, Abeka.com is a Christian-based homeschooling program. Is, is such a thing included in this or not? I don't have the answer to that. But if you do live in Arkansas and you listen to this show, please email me. And uh, and let me know whether or not homeschooling is is a is a part of this. So here's what it says. There's three parameters: educate kids. It says, God, I wish they would say students, not kids. Jesus, just say students. Your government, you you know, they're they're not government's children. They're not government's kids. They're just students. Just call them students. Educate students. Drives me up the wall. Uh, Okay, sorry, I digress. Uh, Educate. Educate kids, it says. Empower parents. Government empowering parents. That's, you know, I don't like the language. Uh, And then, of course, recruit and retain good teachers. Well, good luck with that. Okay, it says the following. In Arkansas only, 35% of third graders can read at a grade level Uh, a proven indicator of future success. And then Governor Sanders will create a unified system to expand access to high-quality education from birth through 12th grade. From birth? Uh, I don't know. I know I said this was a good thing, and I think there are good things in here, but a lot of this is, uh, you know, the, the word usage is sketchy. Here's the other thing, fun fact real quick. Did you know that Sarah Sanders worked In the Department of Education under George W. Bush? Neither did I. And if you did, congratulations, you win a prize, because I had no idea. Uh, Either way, it continues it says 120 literacy coaches deployed across the state to maximize student learning. It says K through 3 students struggling to read at grade level will be eligible for $500 per year for supplemental education services tutoring, basically. I'm telling you, it does not cost $500 per kid to learn how to read. It just doesn't. You can buy for approximately $100 in hardback, all of the McGuffey readers, all of them, every volume, and you can teach a kid to read in two weeks. They can go from illiterate to reading in less than two weeks. After that, again, sky's the limit. You have them keep reading the McGuffey readers, and they will be reading at and above quote unquote grade level. Not that that's really a measurement, but they will be reading far beyond that. If you just buy them the McGuffey readers, it disgusts me. No one teach no one teaches anything about William McGuffey in teacher education programs. Not a thing. If you were to ask anybody in the education profession, who is William McGuffey, they'd be like, who's that? He's probably some old white racist guy. Ridiculous. It continues under the educate kids parameter. It says career-ready diploma, a dual-track, equally rigorous diploma uh, that will prepare students to take on high-paying jobs in the workforce upon graduation. It says, workforce dashboard, online resources for job seekers to find available jobs and required training in their region. Great. I'm all for it. Community service. Students must complete 75 hours to graduate high school. Are they in prison? Did they, you know, were they found guilty of a misdemeanor? I, you know, I don't know. The community service thing... I don't know that that's a that's a debate. I see the I see the pros and the cons in it. I really do. Uh, moving on, it says course choice catalog, a catalog of available courses for students to enroll in, allowing students to take courses across the state. All right, great. Hopefully, some of those are online. That would be nice. Empower parents. This is the empower parents section. Government is empowering you. We got to get government out of our lives. Honest to God. It says education freedom account. There are three check marks here. A three-year phased-in approach to fund students. That's rather broad. The next one says every family can choose the school that serves their kid best. Great. And then universal choice for all families by 2025-26 school year. Innovative Transportation Fund, modernized transportation routes and resources, no limit on the number of charters, no limit on the number of school choice transfers. If that's true, then what about homeschooling? That's my only question here. And then finally, in the Recruit and Retain Good Teachers, this'll be rich. It says, create minimum base salary of $36,000, which is what they are currently now, 48th in the state, and increase that to $50,000, which would be fourth in the nation. Yeah, the minimum base salary should be 50 grand, because you can't live on 36 grand a year. That's poverty. Uh, let's see. In particular, if you're married or have kids or you know whatever else, or you're a single parent, good luck. It continues, it says, provide for 12-week, I'm sorry, let me finish that other section. It says, 15,249 is the number of Arkansas teachers that will receive a raise to the minimum. And then it says, and all Arkansas teachers will receive a raise. Okay, is that going to improve education? Is that going to improve the content? Are you going to stop teaching the lies in school? How about the lies in textbooks? You know, this is the larger problem. Uh and then on the other side of the of the category here under recruit and ret- retain good teachers, it says provide for 12 weeks of paid maternity leave, repeal the teacher fair dismissal act, not sure what that is. It says reward good teachers with up to $10,000 bonuses and expand school safety initiatives, crisis response training, and mental health awareness training. You know, I uh, I know I said it was a good thing at the beginning. This is, you know, this is questionable. Time is going to tell on this. It really is. Uh, th- this is the problem with government, is that they throw money at it, they throw their pseudo-solutions at it, they probably have parameters where they're going to say, okay, after this number of years, we're going to measure whether or not this law has worked or not, and uh, and if it hasn't, they're gonna they're gonna do the exact same thing over again. They're just gonna call it something different. That's all. Again, the homeschooling family is laughing at all of this because they're not the ones that are going to be subject to any of this. If this, I mean, this really is the rule of thumb. If the state. Ever allows you to take tax money away from the state education system and put it into yourselves and your children's homeschooling, you should do it. It's that simple. If they open up the door and they give you the green flag go, then, then you need to do it. Take, take your child out, take the money with them, and run for the hills. Do not continue to associate with these districts where countless people are having to just jump through endless hoops. Government, ladies and gentlemen, government. It's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. Here's another story that proves that, actually. Uh, Sicily threw this my way from New Mexico. Get a load of this. This bill is now in the governor's hands to be signed. Old Luhan Wuhan, or Wuhan Luhan, rather, as they call her out there, apparently. And rightfully so, because get a load of this. It says Tuesday, March 14th, legislators are working to get more bills through the legislative process before the session ends on Saturday. In the meantime, here's a look at some of the bills that have made it to the last stage of approval the governor's desk. The first category reproductive and gender affirming care. Keep in mind, New Mexico, hard left wing, at least the government, the corrupt government is. It says a bill that drew a lot of attention and debate this session, House Bill 7, seeks to help solidify New Mexico's access to reproductive health care, abortion, and gender affirming care. We want to kill babies, we want to cut genitals off, and if you want to do all of those things, we're going to allow it and support it. It says politicians on both sides of the political aisle have taken strong positions on the issue laid out in the bill. Last week, a debate on the Senate floor brought biblical references and hours of back and forth over the issues, but ultimately the supporters of the bill prevailed, meaning the governor now has the final say on whether or not the bill becomes law. Oh, it most certainly will become law. What a nightmare. The next one, Bernie's bill. Another bill that garnered contentious debate is House Bill 9, also known as Bernie's bill. After a child who was shot and killed at Washington Middle School in 2021, the bill sets penalties for adults who do not properly secure their firearms and allow children to negligently access guns. What does that sound like? That sounds like what Gretchen Whitmer wants to do in Michigan after the Crumbly case. Wow. It says the bill notes that if a minor manages to get a hold of a firearm that's in a locked container, quote, kept in a location that a reasonable person would believe to be secure, unquote, or locked with a safety device to make the gun inoperable, then the individual who stored the gun wouldn't be be in violation of the bill. But if the gun is not stored properly, they're coming after the parent. School lunches is the next one. You can't make this one up either. I'll tell you what, they are full commie to the bone, aren't they? It says the bill aimed at keeping New Mexico's youth healthy, youth healthy, rather, in Senate Bill 4. The bill expands access to free lunches in public schools, including charter schools. Get a load of this. It says the bill essentially increases access to the existing national school lunch program. Under the bill, kids can get a free breakfast or lunch just by asking. They don't even have to fall into a certain income category to get a free meal. Well, (laughs) my God. I mean, my God. They're going to feed them. It's got nothing to do with health. It has to do with just giving them free food. It's not healthy food. Health has nothing to do with it. It's just a filled stomach full of government slop. But now, apparently, all you have to do is just ask. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Well, who's going to pack a lunch then? The food's free. Unbelievable. Voting changes. Legislators recently passed a bill changing a wide range of voting-related laws. House Bill 4 would create a system to automatically register qualified voters when they renew their driver's license at the Motor Vehicle Division. The bill would also give former felons a quicker and easier path to restore voting rights. For more details, go to here. Other bills and what's next? It says the above bills are just a few of the heavily debated bills that have managed to make it to the governor's desk, but there are others that are awaiting her signature as well. That includes several environmental bills, such as a bill to create a long term funding stream for conservation. Of course, lots of bills have stalled out along the way, and some bill sponsors are making a final push to get their bills approved in the final days. Oh, all of those will pass, I'm certain. Yikes. Yikes. Here's another education-related one from New Mexico. Here's some audio that goes along with this. Give this a listen. For
1: about a dozen pieces of legislation on the governor's desk, dealing with New Mexico's education system, many lawmakers hoping these bills will raise our state's standing in education.
0: News 13's Natalie Wattis spoke with lawmakers and she joins us this evening live from the Roundhouse.
2: Dean, from extending learning time to replacing the state's public education department, ideas on how to fix New Mexico's education system have been widespread.
1: Education is a priority for me because really it's the foundational issue. So we can talk about crime, we can talk about economic development, all of these things that our state is facing. But if we don't fix education, they're all just Band-Aids.
2: Representative Ryan Lane is one of many legislators with a bill on the governor's desk. House Bill 342 expands how adults can use their 529 savings plan, allowing them to use it on student loans and apprenticeships. Other bills on the governor's desk include increasing educational assistant salaries, the K-12 program, which increases how many hours kids stay in school, and a bill that requires schools to offer free breakfast and lunch to every student. Representative G. Andres Romero is co-sponsor of the extended learning time bill and has another one working its way to the finish line.
1: Another one is House Bill 126, which is on the Senate floor right now. It's the high school graduation bill, so totally revamping the way we work in high school and the credits students would take. And really the objective there is getting um, students more invested and having students lead their education.
2: Now, the push to abolish the state's public education department is on its last stop. Senate Joint Resolution 1 just needs to be heard on the House floor. And if it passes, it'll be up to the voters to decide. Back to you. All
1: right, thank you, Natalie. The Senate resolution would replace the PED and its secretary with a state board of education and a superintendent.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, you may recall Vanessa Hurst. Vanessa Hurst, again mother of, of children in, in Kentucky, has been a guest on this show and was a guest on this show approximately nine times, we went down numerous rabbit holes regarding the Kentucky education system and a variety of issues. This, this right here in New Mexico reeks, it reeks of everything That was going on and is going on in the state of Kentucky. Same exact thing. Only here, they're gutting the entire system to replace it with levels of choice among students that is just going to create endless chaos. It's endless chaos. This is Marxism to the bone. You give the reins of the giant covered wagon with all those horses to children. And you let them decide what to do. Complete and utter chaos. These are not, I mean, they're all left-wing whack jobs. You know, these, these politicians they were talking to, at least, at least one of them was. The other guy certainly looked like he was. But uh, this, is, this is not going to improve a thing. They are going, again, they, they are fifth gear, pedaled to the floor, destroying education. Reading, writing, and arithmetic is out the door. This is going to turn into letting, again, children decide what they want to do, what classes they want to take, what their interests are, and then we will just make that graduation requirements based on their interests. New Mexico is going to be graduating complete morons, without a doubt. Again, the name calling aside there's just no way there's no way around it the, this is a nightmare this is an absolute nightmare when you, when you're gutting the state department of education not because they're they're not doing their job that's not it i'm sure there's a, a few smart people there probably not many but when you're replacing it or you're seeking to completely replace it and then replace it with a a Marxist entity, which is exactly what that board of, of nitwits would ultimately end up being, it's, it's going to be game over because those are the people ultimately who are going to be making the decisions at the top. And then that's going to filter all the way down through every single school building. New Mexico's screwed. They're screwed. If you teach in New Mexico, uh, you're asking for it. There's no other way around it. You're just asking for it. This is now going to be law the destruction of your education system is officially law. Congratulations. Again, Cicely homeschools. She's out of the business. I know she's listening to this, and she's laughing her tail off because she knows that she got out at exactly the right time for all of the right reasons. Complete and utter chaos, ladies and gentlemen. There you go. Don't know what else to say. Um, a stroke of good news, although, you know, a bit odd that he would return. This comes from the Blaze the high school football coach who was known for, again, praying at the 50-yard line with his team who lost his job because they said he couldn't do it, and then he did it anyway. Seven years later, after going through the Supreme Court, he has now won his job back. After, of course, winning his Supreme Court case on freedom of religion and freedom of expression and so on and so forth, he's now apparently back at his old job. Why he would want to return is beyond me, But other than you know to stick it to the enemy, which is fine, that's certainly a motive, and I support that 100%. But uh, there you go. Yeah, because you're allowed to pray, ladies and gentlemen. You're allowed to do that anywhere you want. So you know, Supreme Court precedent, right there. And again, if if that right there digs it in and twists the knife a little bit, then God bless him and good for him for returning. All right jab stuff. Here we go. Here's the template, ladies and gentlemen. Here's the template that uh, that I created. It's approximately three pages long. It's in a downloadable PDF on my website, AmericanEducationFM.com. It is under the tab titled Government Documents. Scroll down below the first box of a giant list of government documents and it is the second box and you will see that it will say something like county commissioner's email template again it's a downloadable pdf i'm going to read it here quickly so that you get a taste as to what is on this template and again you can download it you can reword it any way you want you can uh you can change it you can add things you can take away things I just wish that there were more lawyers and more individuals out there who would create these templates for citizens of the United States to send to school board members, county commissioners, health departments, sheriff's departments, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. If everybody knew about what's really going on in the United States regarding the weaponization of bioweapons and 5G and, and wanting to kill us all, if if these individuals' email boxes were flooded with templates like this and messages from knowledgeable public citizens, and clearly were more knowledgeable about these subjects than they are, if they were receiving these emails on a constant basis, they would be over flip whelmed and they would have no option other than to respond with something, whether that be a town hall or whatever it may be but these 5G towers and these jabs have got to go. It's long past time. It's not that this template is going to make a bit of difference, but ladies and gentlemen, we have to try and we have to exhaust every avenue humanly possible. So here we go. At the top of the template, I write the following. I said, this is an example of a template to send your county commissioner's office and members about the COVID bioweapons and 5G. All descriptive and local information in red should be deleted and replaced with your own local names, laws, and preceding information. Read the document carefully, add what you want, and correct any typos you may see. Make sure that you email as many people within your county commissioner's office as you can. Which, by the way, sometimes getting a hold of their emails and finding their emails on the website can be a little difficult, but I was able to find mine anyway. So it's titled County Commissioner Email Template. Here we go. It says dear, you type in your county's name, uh Commissioner's office, and it says my name is, type in your name. I'm a resident of your county's name and then the state. This is the red part at the beginning of my template that I sent these people. Again, this is specific to what is going on locally where where I live, but of course you can remove it because it might not have anything to do with where you live. It says the following, quote, it's come to my attention that you have plans, contracts in place to increase the use of 5G wireless technology, uh, in particular for what you think is, quote unquote, faster internet or better cell phone service, unquote. I can assure you that this is not the intent of 5G antennas, whether large or small. 5G technology are weapons that have been created by the Department of Defense, Lockheed, and the EPA. They emit harmful electromagnetic frequencies, EMF radiation, that are intended to disrupt healthy and unhealthy cells in the human body and cause countless illnesses, including immediate death when the frequency is high enough and turned up remotely. 5G also has a direct impact on those who took the classified bioweapon that you refer to as a COVID-19 vaccine. This so-called vaccine, quote-unquote, is in fact a categorized biological weapon by definition with only one intent, to kill those who take it. In an expose article below, it is proven below the countless, I'm sorry, along with countless peer-reviewed articles referenced within that the COVID bioweapon shots are causing permanently compromised immune systems also referred to as AIDS, Acquired Immune Deficiency Syndrome, or VAIDS, Vaccine Acquired Immune Deficiency Syndrome, within everyone who have taken them, and the endless syndromes, quote-unquote, i.e. illnesses, that come about as a result. These shots also contain graphene oxide and self-forming nanoparticle metals, that are directly manipulated by EMF radiation, magnetism, and 5G technology, along with wireless internet environments at high frequencies that may be inescapable. On a personal note, ask yourself the following. Have you taken these shots? How many have you taken? How many times have you been ill since your first shot? Has this ever happened to you in years past? Do you think this is normal? Given these stated facts above and the links below that prove this, in particular given the location of such devices, your plans to implement more and all citizens who are impacted, you are in violation of numerous laws in the state, and then you name your state, including but not limited to, now these particular laws and these Ohio codes again are just four of them that I mentioned, and they are specific to the state of Ohio but I'm certain that they exist in your states just under different section numbers, of course. Uh, But you can use this terminology, as I've stated in the past. You can look up your state codes through a basic search. It'll pop up, and then once you're on your state code website, uh, there's a search bar. Start typing in these words and and read the law, and it's usually pretty quick and to the point and self-explanatory. But there's four, again, that I found here in Ohio. I'm just going to read the titles. Uh, Product Defective Due to Inadequate Warning or Instruction is the first one. Endangering Children is the next one. Right to Refuse to Work Under Unsafe Conditions is another one. And Contaminating Substance for Human Consumption or Use or Contamination with Hazardous Chemical, Biological, or Radioactive Substance. Uh, Spreading False Report of Contamination is also included in that. So I just listed those. Again, you can take those out as they're listed in red and fill in your own if you're interested. I ended with this, and this is kind of the the meat and the warning, which is why I have it in bold. Uh, you can, again, change it if you'd like or add or take away anything you want. I said the following, quote, Your inability to understand these topics and their connections to one another at face value is not an excuse. Your duty as county officials and citizens of the United States of America, as per your oaths of office, is to inform yourselves about these topics and not blindly follow suggestions, recommendations, or monetary contracts, when implementation of such devices and substances can be harmful to you and anyone you represent, along with the citizens of your county name, state, etc., and the United States of America. As a result of this direct communication, Uh, whoops, typo, already found one. You are now in possession of names, articles, scientific proof, and individuals involved in combating this issue, legally speaking. Another typo, my apologies, I'll fix it before I re-upload it here. Uh, It is incumbent upon you to remove the COVID-19 bioweapon shots from your county health departments or county health department and communicate the removal of them with any administration or organization that is responsible for their purchase and or distribution along with the removal of 5G towers these entities named below are suing these government agencies in court and that alone should be proof enough to not move forward with any of these harmful substances and technologies covid bioweapon shots or 5G or the contracts that you are engaging in You have also been lied to. You, too, personally, have been taken advantage of. Now your ignorance is being counted on by those at the top to carry out their technologies to harm yourselves and others. This has already worked, as an estimated 20 million worldwide and counting are dead from the COVID-19 vaccines, quote-unquote. More will die with each passing day. The continued implementation of 5G towers will only amplify these ill effects and outcomes. Your ignorance on this issue is not an excuse to dismiss these statements. It is also your responsibility to move this communication and documentation to all of those within your departments who are responsible for addressing such issues. This is not my responsibility. Do not pass the buck, quote-unquote, or kick the can, quote-unquote, down the road within your departments to avoid involvement or keep people in the dark. And then I ended it by saying this, I can be reached at the following email for more information or for consultation in these matters. It would be foolish to ignore this message and warning. Sincerely, name, email. And then the references that I have included here are the following. Uh, I did not send them as one of the references the died suddenly documentary, I've included it in this template, however, after the fact, but either way, I'm not holding my breath on these people getting back to me. The first two articles are from the expose The first is all of the a, li- a giant list of all of the articles from the expose with what happens when you type in five g into their search engine or their search bar at the top of their website, so that's the first link. the second one is the article I've referenced numerous times, which I think is amazing, and it's the one from the expose that lists all of the reasons why people who took the shots have AIDS. That article is there too. Two videos are are included also. One of them is uh, a talk with, the most recent talk with Stu Peters and Mark Steele from just the other day, as a matter of fact. I also put that up on my Gab page, but the link to that video is there. And if you don't know what Mark Steele looks like, you can, of course, see him there. And he's been on my show, and I include that also, that particular podcast episode. Uh, The next video, again, is Todd Callender, lawyer, talking about 5G and how it's weaponized to be specifically used against the jabbed, and it's having a deadly impact on on the jabbed. Then, of course, uh, my podcast episode with Mark Steele, the documentary of Died Suddenly, and then Karen Kingston's Substack. The documentation is there, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, these individuals can't run away from this. I mean, they can run away, and they're going to run away. Because as I've written on my own substack, this is the perfect crime. And as I said at the beginning of this episode, because these individuals are going to have to look into a mirror that is too big for them to handle. It will scare the shit out of them. There's there's no way around it. Uh, cognitive dissonance will kick in, emotional rationalization will kick in, avoidance will kick in, their curiosity uh, will be diminished. There's no way that they will actually take any of this seriously. They'll name call, conspiracy theorist, and whatever else. That, that's why I put that list of questions in the body of, the, of this email, in this template. Again, where I said, on a personal note, ask yourself the following. Have you taken these shots? How many have you taken? How many times have you been ill since your first shot? Has this ever happened to you in years past? Do you think this is normal? I would hope that those individuals would ask themselves those questions along with asking themselves, how many people do you know who have taken these shots? How many of those people have been ill since their first shot? Has this ever happened to them before? Do they think this is normal? Do you think that them being ill consistently is normal when it was never the case in the past? Because ultimately, as we all know, and as you know, because you're smart people, it was all about coercion. We will scare and coerce these people into taking a shot that will cause their death, ultimately. That's that's it. So I will re-edit some of the typos in that uh, in that template that I that I caught it will be uploaded before this episode airs and uh yeah and you can download that and use it as you see fit just wanted to bring that to your attention so there's that here's another one children's health defense titled quote exclusive cdc doled out hundreds of millions in grants to push vaccines and collect data in communities of color Isn't this interesting? Because again, it's all about equity, ladies and gentlemen, but they're purposefully killing copious amounts of people and wanting to track them, not just based on color, but all of us. It says the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention since 2021 has doled out hundreds of millions of dollars in grants for the creation of culturally tailored, quote unquote, pro-vaccine materials. And for training influential passengers, quote unquote, to promote COVID 19 and flu vaccines to communities of color in every state across the country. I want to play this audio because it kind of goes along with this, although it's related to Canada. This has to do with the Stats Canada program, and it has to do with these trailers popping up around Canada that are coercing individuals to show up to these particular trailers and then gather all of their medical and personal information and other information as well. It's data mining, essentially. So give this audio a quick listen. I know this has been making the rounds. I've put these up on previous uh, war videos, but give this a listen anyway because this is frightening and it's happening.
3: So update on the tractor trailers that are being set up outside of Swift Current um, regarding the Stats Canada survey that they are doing. Basically, Stats Canada is going around asking a one-hour-long survey to anybody who wants to participate. Um, They are also offering either $100, $150, or $175 for the other two-hour portion of the survey, which requires you to go down to the tractor-trailer units and either have your blood, urine, or uh, saliva samples taken, bone density uh, measured, height, weight, um, also so a dentist is on site to basically check out any teeth. Um, their reason for this is basically undiagnosed illnesses among amongst Canadians and to see if there are any toxins in your systems. Now, they are saying that they would will release these results within seven months to all participants. Let me show you the two types of letters that I have received. Um, there is a third one that I haven't received yet. Um, the person hasn't emailed me back, but the difference is between the monetary values. So this is the first one that is offering one hundred and fifty dollars um, basically to cover all expenses. This one is offering $100 for basically the same thing. Um, However, there is another letter asking or saying that it would be $175. This is the pamphlet that people have received along with the letter. These are basically all of the locations that they will be coming to in the future. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Um, Who can use the information that is collected from this? Basically, statistics experiment that is going on. Um, so basically, Health Canada, Public Health Agency of Canada, the CIHI, the Provincial Ministry of Health, health planners across the country, physician, health researchers, and then journalists, decision makers, and policymakers. which is where it gets a little... Now, if you haven't heard of the standard, standard personal information banks, these will be linked to something that they are trying to basically roll out in the form of digital IDs, but it will require your health. Now, let me show you where I found that policy. Now, the rollout of the personal information bank um, policy is basically found in this document, and I will go through some of the main things. Where it gets really weird is they want to harness the full potential of data and digital health systems with this policy. So basically, they want to take your information um, and work closely with the Provincial Health Association, federal partners and other stakeholders, but they do not describe in detail who these stakeholders are or will be or if it can be changed. Now, another worrying thing is um, they want to keep pumping money into launching a COVID-19 proof of vaccination fund. Now, I know we had the QR code going on in the pandemic, but with all all the information coming out that not only do the vaccines not work as they were intended, but that they also might not be what they are telling us. Now, this is where it gets kind of scary when it comes to AI is basically this department in this policy wants to invest in projects like Cognito.io, Nitro, Kelpie, Prodigy, and then continue under projects such as Apollo, Data, I and t EagleEye, and Iris. Now, if you go into all of those projects separately to see what they are basically collecting, the IRIS project is wanting to get your retina scans. Another one is basically fingerprints. And with the looming digital ID, what worries me the most is, are they using this information against us? Um, Will they be using this in the future to see who can get um, health insurance and who can't? Also what is worrying is the fact that they do not define who these stakeholders are and who will have our information. Um, And I'm wondering if Stats Canada and what they're collecting will be used basically against us in the digital IDs. Now, if you feel completely safe giving the government your blood samples, urine samples, and you know you wanna go and be um, a test subject for uh, basically any amount of uh, vaccines that they wanna give you, by all means, go ahead. Um, but this is for intellectual people who uh, like to ask questions and they have concerns where their information is going. And I understand that a lot of the NPCs and the military bought AI um, things have come onto my page, which I find hilarious. Um, Um, But I guess being a concerned citizen of where my information is going basically was a trigger point for a lot of the MPC Canadians who don't even seem to grasp the gravity of what is going on. So to my United States listeners, this is also happening in rural areas with the CDC. And um, what's even more concerning is the survey questions that people are telling me are being asked seems like there are three different types of surveys. One is geared towards mental health and gun control. The other one is geared towards what you're eating, what you're inputting, if you're on any medications and having to show said medication physically to these survey people. And then another one is basically more of a, um, do you have any renovations that you require in your home? Which I know may seem an innocent question to most of you, but if you look at agenda 2030, basically they would like to implement a green kind of building code where you are responsible monetary wise to have your home or house be up to the green standard and it will be done on your dime. So that was quite a bit of a red flag for me. Um, For the United States side, I am getting a lot of people saying that they're basically just asking about gun control. And also all three of the surveys at the end ask if they can take um, samples of your tap water in Swift Current, which I find really, weird because they can just go to the city tap the city water facility and test that but um yeah they're asking for tap water samples in everybody's homes so if you guys have any more information um please send it my way i would also like to thank everybody who did and reached out um and i interviewed a lot of you that was amazing um so we'll just keep up the good work and we'll keep spreading the news and asking questions
0: yikes do not comply it should go without saying, but uh, do not comply. If they're doing it in very specified areas, of course, it's only a matter of time before they do it in inner cities if they haven't done it already. You know, it's it's data mining, and yes, like she said, it's Agenda 2030 without a doubt to the bone. Do not comply, just for a couple hundred bucks or less than that. Not worth it. Absolutely insane. The sheep will go along with it. What? It's a hundred bucks. Who cares? I'll fill out a survey for a hundred bucks. I'm telling you what. Just don't comply. I don't know what else to say with that. I do want to play this too. This is making the rounds also as I'm recording this. um, This originally came from another Twitter account of another investigator who who either had a conversation directly with this individual. But this is a Dr. Ast- Astrid Shuckleberger, Stuckleberger, my apologies. Um, this is a, again, this is just the title that goes along with this on my Gab account. Pfizer COVID vaccine vial contain uh, contents exposed by a WHO whistleblower. I'm assuming this is the WHO whistleblower, although it may not be. Could just be somebody relaying the message. It says it contains graphene oxide, parasites, RFID, metals, and nanocircuitry. DARPA and Bill Gates developed these non-biological synthetic injections to control the minds and bodies of the population. This is 10 minutes long. It's worth it. Give this a listen.
4: I want to answer to, you know, what is in the job and what's going on with the 5G? You know the question that Pascal said, ask Astrid, because it's very important. Yeah. Uh, I, I've been into one of the first ones who really read and uh, and said there is oxide graphene. Some scientists in in Spain, Professor Compra, found you know massive oxide graphene in nanoparticle in the job in yeah June 2021, and then he made another report final in November 2021. And then others made, uh, like Professor Arne Burkart, made uh, a very scientific, really uh, in in the lab of like a medical um, analysis of the jab. And he did in front of lawyers. He said, "This is a crime against humanity." And he, he, he anybody jabbing this thing is, is Pfizer. It was Pfizer, uh, is is a criminal. And he found, ox- he confirmed oxide graphene. He confirmed uh, uh, parasites he confirmed metal chrome nickel that should never be there all massively nanoparticle and then he also confirmed there is a RFID type of thing thing in in there so he he did a very interesting move he he took lawyers to say and to affirm now there are others and it's very interesting you know how we go in a creamy s- uh, scene uh, we we have one more element one more some contradictory some not a lot of people are talking of mRNA, mRNA, spike mRNA, but they never really give the nature of this mRNA. And uh, two scientists started to do the whistleblowing, um, uh, Dr. Nagazi in Canada and Dr. Monteverde. And for me, that was a key to this scene. And they said that to for something to be biological, you need phosphor and nitrogen. and they found nothing like that in all the vials they saw and it was confirmed again after. So it's not biological. What is in this little vial is not biological. So what is it? It is synthetic, nanotech, and and beyond. Maybe other things we don't know. Um, You see, I I leave it open because we are in such a crazy situation of evil that we have to uh, be open so that we can stop and 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 treat people, so so the, now in the scientific community where I speak a lot, you know, in in conference, I show the graphic of first question: is it biological or not? It's not; it's synthetic. It corresponds to David Martin said, uh, "I should never have accepted those patents; they're all synthetic, not biological." Then you you start explaining. But if you explain mRNA, you have to define if it is synthetic or not. You have to say, is it a nanorobot you call mRNA? Or do you call mRNA the consequence of a causality? And the causality is something synthetic and like a robot, which I think that is. The mRNA spike is only an effect or um, an element of this nanocircuit and nanotech. Because it's not possible that spike protein is everywhere in the body after an injection. So it is the transporter oxide graphene is like a a flying carpet. I've I've made a report on that flying carpet. And it's um, you can put a genome, you can put a parasite, you can put a bacteria and you can code it. And it mimics the code of a molecule because we have the codes of molecules with uh, Dr. Ben-Vivis in in, um, France. And Professor Montagnier tried to steal all his findings and then he got killed, you know. So we know that biocoding exists since 50 years, but it's become very sophisticated now. And they can send this biocode to the oxide graphene, it's a terahertz, it can stock, you probably know that It, it can load the data up to terahertz and it can send it. And so it is like a computer. Bill Gates is perfectly suited, you know, with his engineers to develop this with DARPA. Uh, so, so we know this, that this can take control of the mind and of the body. And I invite everybody who has not seen this fantastic video of uh, Dr. Char- Charles Morgan of DARPA. And he's teaching on YouTube, the military, how you oxide graphene can take command of someone on the other side of earth through Wi-Fi, And it's called Psycho neurobiology and war. I don't you've
0: seen it? Now what she does is, is she plays audio and video from a military presentation where an individual is describing all of that. I'm I'm leaving that out on purpose just for the sake of brevity. It's it's rather long, and that really is the majority of the video, but you can check out the entire video on my war video. I'll include it in the in the next war video. It's also on my gab page if you want to watch that in its entirety. But here's the remainder of her comments right here.
4: When people are not convinced, I, I show them so go and see this, and you will understand already a bit. Go and see the pandemic uh, preparedness for zombies; you will understand. Go and see that the ID in uh, is is in the body of people who are, are dead, and even in the cemetery, yeah. uh, you know. And go and see the autopsy that what they're taking out of the blood is something like caoutchouc, but nobody's really describing it and i suspect they're afraid to say really what it is because they don't know um because one there are two or three scientists who said something very interesting uh that goes with this ai scient plasma going around um it's it's that there is a parasite in as an egg if you put it at the temperature of the body under microscope it develops and the egg bursts out and something comes out with tentacles and that's what you find in in the in the autopsy so there is something in the investigation we're going through there's a lot to still you know go and and seek and to understand the causality of causality and not only talk of this mRNA I'm fed up of this mRNA it's a messenger it's not more so I I got censored in Stockholm in a conference because I said, go and look at the genome editing uh, document that WHO produced because this is important. But (laughs) the cause of the cause is a synthetic injection with nanocircuits that go on with 5G. It's, it's been, it's been, you know, uh, evidenced by experts who recognized and did it that it is a nanocircuit. It is, it's, it's, um, it's beyond what doctors know, what normal scientists know. And we have to get every engineer in, or, or, or veterans who, have, who know anything about nanoparticles and nanotech to come and help us to understand what's going on because we have to know how to um, detach this from the body and clean.
0: So what do you think? Do you think that uh, county-level commissioners and city council members and school boards are going to be able to wrap their heads around that? Of course not. Again, these are not thinking people. These are order followers. That's all That's all they do. They're constantly looking to add things to their resumes, to approve contracts, grants, whatever, move money around, engage in particular projects, build, destroy, renovate, this, that, and the other. And they have no idea that in the middle of all of that, they're being manipulated and they're being manipulated to death. They don't have a clue. Again, it doesn't matter how many medical doctors PhDs whatever you throw at these people or or even email templates potentially that you send, it's probably not going to make a lick of difference because again, they're they're being paid. They're order followers. It's it really is that simple and it's disgusting. Doesn't mean that we shouldn't do it. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't send these templates and and these warnings and all of this information. We certainly should. Because if the time comes where it can be used against them in a court of law, Emphasis on the word if. If that time comes, they cannot say that they were not told. They cannot say that they were not warned. Then you're talking about potential class action lawsuits where you bring in your emails that proved that you sent them to them and that they have them. There's no escaping it then. Uh, It just goes on and on, ladies and gentlemen. It goes on and on. I do want to end by saying this Happy St. Patrick's Day. St. Patrick, by the way, drove out the pagans from Ireland, not snakes. The Crom, if I'm saying this right, the Crom Cruich were basically a cult. They were bloodthirsty and uh, sacrificed their first newborn in the honor or in his honor to assure a successful harvest. St. Patrick was responsible for driving out these psychos, and by the state of Ireland, along with the state of numerous countries, I think it's far past time for us to uh, drive these satanic-worshipping psychos out into the ocean without a doubt. And while we're at it, why don't we just put millstones around their necks and see if they can swim? What do you think? Other than that, ladies and gentlemen, have a great weekend, and I will catch you on Monday. Peace. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.